Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. I have two stories to share. Both have happened fairly recently. A few weeks ago, I was doing some things around the kitchen. I had my headphones in, listening to music, and I had it pretty loud. As I was putting dishes away, I felt something tug on the back of my shirt. I thought it was my younger siblings messing with me, but they were playing video games in the living room. I just shrugged it off and kept doing the dishes. A few moments later, it happened again. This time I looked around to see if anyone was there, but there wasn't anybody. At first I just assumed it was my hair brushing my back, but the spot where my shirt was being pulled was too far down near the middle of my back for it to have been my hair, which isn't very long. Now I was starting to freak out a little. The next time my shirt was pulled on, I quickly took one of my headphones out and turned around. There, just above the fridge, was a boy. He looked like he was sitting on top of the fridge, but was floating about an inch from the top. He was also a pale gray color, had long black hair, and was laughing. His eyes were just black pits, and his other features were fuzzy. I blinked, and he was gone. The second story takes place about two or three nights ago, at the time of writing this. I was lying in bed, taking a breather from the events of the day. For context, I have fake vines and fairy lights on my ceiling, and both strands of lights were on. One of the strands of lights started to flicker and switch between dim and bright, or sometimes all the way off. I just assumed it was faulty wiring or the batteries were going out. But then I heard the same laughter that I heard when I saw the boy on the fridge. After a few minutes of the lights flickering out of control, they stopped and the room went quiet, save for my CD player in the corner. I freaked out and turned the music up and went on my phone to try and distract myself from what just happened. I come from a religious family and never really believed in paranormal activity so this experience is entirely new to me. All I can hope is that whatever is messing with me is not aggressive and will keep its activity to only pranks, or preferably to just leave. So far, nothing else has happened, yet. To the boy I saw in the fridge, let's not meet again.
This happened to me in 2019. The restaurant I worked at was first built during the mining era where I lived. The building was then turned into a roadhouse in the 90s. Then it was turned into a brewery slash fine dining restaurant around 2007. One of my friend's moms from elementary school worked there and had an experience. Now, I had forgotten about what he had told me until I started working there and had my own experiences. I was 16 and started as a host slash busser, and one of my closing duties was to clean the customer bathrooms before I left. One night, as I was cleaning the women's bathroom, about to take the trash out, I heard the men's bathroom door slam shut as if someone had unconsciously closed it behind them as they were leaving. So I went to check, and the door to the men's was completely shut. I noticed the light was also turned out. It didn't make sense that the door was closed all the way. Due to the sound that it made, I was expecting it to be slightly open after bumping into the door frame. I then went and checked with one of the servers who was sweeping by the hallway that led to the bathrooms to see if she had seen somebody exit the bathrooms, but she hadn't seen anyone leave. She then told me that the restaurant was haunted and told me to tell whatever was in the bathroom to basically fuck off. I now realize, after listening to this podcast, it wasn't such a smart idea, and what happened after this really put things into perspective. A couple of weeks after the first incident, I was cleaning the men's bathroom. I had just finished wiping the mirrors and toilets and had started sweeping. When I got back to the front where the mirrors were, I got this instant feeling of dread, a feeling like I was being watched. I continued to sweep, but I kept my back towards the mirrors because it felt like if I looked at them, I would either see some tall, dark shadow behind me or myself smiling back. After that incident, I never got that feeling of dread again, but I always felt like I was being watched whenever I cleaned there. This next one happened at my house. My sister and I believe that I might have brought something home, and it did affect her as well. She told me she had seen shadow people in the doorway to her bedroom outside her window, and in her dreams. Nothing physically ever happened to her, and she never had sleep paralysis, as far as I'm aware. The stuff that had happened to me in the house was seeing shadows of a small dog a few times. I also had a nightmare. In this nightmare, I was sitting on my loft bed in my dark bedroom, looking over the edge at a big black dog pacing the floor. Next thing I knew, I was under my bed, lying on my back, with the black dog on top of me, staring menacingly with bright red eyes. Other people I worked with had things happen to them as well. One of the bartenders told me she heard footsteps in the kitchen after the cooks left, and she had seen a wine glass fly off the rack that they were hanging off of. Another bartender who was a manager at the time of her experience was in the brewery part and heard footsteps on the rafters by the tops of the beer barrels. When she turned to look, nobody was there. But when she looked down, there was a shadow moving under the rafters. 
Another co-worker said that she had been touched in the upstairs event room bathrooms, as well as the employee bathrooms in the kitchen. The accountant also told me that she had heard footsteps and things moving on their own when she was the only one in the building at two in the morning. I haven't had anything else really happen to me at that restaurant that I can't easily explain away. I now work at a different restaurant that isn't haunted, thankfully. At the time of this story, I was about 12 years old, and being a twin, I was often invited to friends' houses who weren't really my friends, but my sisters. We'll call my sister Kayla and her friend Mia. Mia and my sister had been close for a few months, and I'd been invited to Mia's house a few times. This story takes place during my first sleepover at Mia's house. It was 2018. Mia, Kayla, and I decided to watch the Disney movie Moana in Mia's basement movie theater. Kayla and Mia both said how they were a little tired but wanted to watch the movie anyways. We had only been about 10 minutes into the movie when I realized I'd forgotten my phone upstairs. I tell Mia and Kayla that I'd be right back and that I was just getting my phone. I remember exactly how everything happened. I walked upstairs to Mia's room grabbed my phone off the corner of her bed, and walked right back downstairs to the basement theater. I hadn't lied down on Mia's bed or scrolled through my phone. I went upstairs and back to the basement in about a minute. To my surprise and horror, both Mia and Kayla were sound asleep, and the end credits of the movie were showing. I thought they had skipped the whole movie and were faking being asleep to try and scare me. Naturally, I was a little annoyed because I'd been looking forward to the movie and they skipped it to pull this act. First, I tried shaking Kayla awake, but she didn't open her eyes and didn't even have a slight smile to show she was faking. Nothing. I was nervous to try and wake Mia because I wasn't close with her, but I tried anyways. I started gently shaking her and calmly telling her to wake up. I progressively started shaking a little harder, and still, no response. I was horrified. I was now shaking both of them, desperately trying to get the two awake, and there was still no response. Finally, I was almost yelling at them to wake up and violently shaking them. My sister was awake before Mia and was mad about me waking her. I continued trying to wake up Mia in a panic and she finally woke up too. Both saw how creeped out I was, and I asked them if they had skipped the movie and were faking being asleep. Both explained multiple times that they weren't. I couldn't sleep that night, and I just wanted to leave. Over the years, Kayla and Mia drifted, but at birthday parties or other social outlets, I've talked to Mia and Kayla together. They swear that they didn't skip the movie, and that they were really horrified and scared when I woke them up. This story scares me to this day. I can't account for that lost time, and I still have no clue what happened nearly five years later.
I'm a hard-boiled skeptic. I don't believe in ghosts or the supernatural, and I'm not really a spiritual person either, in any way. The funny thing is, I've had my fair share of experiences that definitely fall into the supernatural category. For instance, I've seen my late grandfather in my childhood home not once, but three times. I've had eerily accurate premonitions of multiple things I couldn't possibly have known beforehand, and I can also predict things, like what song will come on the radio next or what card I'm going to get out of a deck of cards. And still, I doubt it. I've often spoke about these things with my mom, who has also experienced similar things in her life. We've both had premonitions in the form of dreams many times, especially when we were in our teens. She doesn't believe in anything supernatural either, but all of my experiences pale in comparison to what happened to her 40 years ago in Sweden. She was living in Gothenburg at the time. In the 80s, the traffic in that area ran very smoothly, and you could get around with the car quickly and efficiently. Mom had been running errands around the town the entire day, and she was beginning to feel tired and stressed. She just wanted to get home fast and relax for the rest of the day. She had come to a stoplight in her car, and there were four or five other cars ahead of her. Mom was drumming on the steering wheel with her fingers, antsy to speed off from the lights, just like everyone did in the area, when suddenly her entire vision went bright white. She then heard a man's voice clear as day speak to her. Why don't you calm down? There's going to be an accident. Mom simply thought, oh, okay. And her vision slowly returned. She felt completely calm now. When the light turned green and the other cars booked it, she stayed behind and drove very slowly ahead. Then, after about 100 meters, all of the cars in front of her collided with each other. Mom calmly steered her car past them, drove for another good minute, and only then started to realize what happened. She was very shaken afterwards and hasn't been able to think of a rational explanation for these events. And to be honest, I'm just so grateful for whatever it was that saved her that day. For some backstory, I was not raised religiously, but instead spiritually, by my mom and my stepfather, who I primarily view as my dad, since my biological father hasn't been in the picture since I was a baby. My dad always gave me so much love and affection that we had a very strong emotional bond, and he treated me with a lot of respect, which gave me the ability to be very outspoken and opinionated at a young age and impacted me greatly. When I grew older, he and my mom divorced and we lost touch, but reconnected via email on my 18th birthday. I made plans to visit him, and we would occasionally write each other emails for a while. Last fall, I came home from a trip 
and was unable to sleep or rest for the entire night when I was back home. I was really anxious for some reason. It came to the point where, when I eventually did fall asleep, I woke up in the middle of the night because of a nervous feeling, which is not too uncommon since I have insomnia, but it definitely wasn't anything like I had experienced before. When I woke up, I looked around my dark room and saw a dark silhouette of a man who stood by my bed, which I could make out well in the dim light of my room, since the moonlight from outside illuminated it. I remember this very vividly, and I also remember being very surprised at first, waking up fully now and turning on the nightlight, but at that point, the silhouette was gone. Of course, it startled me, but I didn't feel threatened or scared so I went back to sleep, able to rest more comfortably until the morning came. After I woke up the next day, my mom texted me in the morning. My dad was in the hospital, and he was dying from a lung infection. We were lucky to be able to go to the hospital so that we could see him in his last moments. Even though medically he wasn't conscious and was only kept alive by the machines, once my mom and I arrived, he very quickly passed away, which the doctors couldn't even explain to us. I believe that he visited me one last time that night, and when he felt me and my mother by his side during his last moments, he was able to part from his physical body. Wherever he is now, I know he is at peace, and I'm so thankful for everything he did for me. Growing up, it was just my mom, myself, and my little brother Mark. Our mom worked two, sometimes three jobs to keep us afloat and make sure that we had what we needed, but because she was always working, it was just me and Mark. We got along great, of course we still argued, what brother and sister don't, but we were pretty close even with the four-year difference. We watched TV shows together, helped each other pick out outfits for school, and played a lot of video games. The point is, we were very tight. Things changed on December 15th in 2003. Mark, who was 13 years old, was walking to school. While crossing a crosswalk, he was struck by a school bus. Twice. The first impact took him from us. From what I understand, the driver was overusing prescription medication and was too impaired to be driving. The days following were the worst days of my life. I remember my house being filled with people I didn't know. My mom, understandably, didn't leave her room or even get out of bed. People were constantly coming by bringing us food. It was a lot to deal with. My nana and my auntie were both there every day to help with arrangements that my mother just couldn't do. No one wants to bury their child so even with my nana and auntie there, a lot of decisions were left to 17-year-old me. I picked out the flower arrangements and his casket. It was so hard. I was then tasked with finding the outfit for him to be buried in. Mark was a big Raiders fan. He was born in California, so he loved all things California. I knew right away what I wanted to get him, 
a fresh pair of dickies, a Raiders sweatshirt, and a Raiders beanie. Well, we lived in Washington State, so Seahawks gear was easy to find. Raiders, not so easy. My auntie and I went to a department store and searched high and low for anything Raiders. We found a few shirts and sweatshirts, but they were just way too big. After a while, my auntie and I decided to call it and try somewhere else. We were walking towards the front of the store, and I looked back over, and there it was. The outfit for my brother. No joke, Dickies, black Raiders sweatshirt, and a black Raiders beanie. All together. All in his size. They were hanging on the end of the women's clothes rack. I knew before I even checked the sizes that they were his. He did this. There's no other explanation in my mind. Of course, we took it home for him, and how could we not? During such a hard time of loss and grief, I know people look for signs where there are none. But this was so clear. This Christmas will be our 19th without him, but there isn't a day that we don't miss him. It felt good to write this out. Thanks for hearing me. Rest in peace, Marcus. My family moved houses when I was around 12 years old. It was a nice neighborhood, close to school, and had this big, awesome backyard. Sounds great, but from the get-go, things just felt off. Do you ever walk into a room and just know in your gut that something isn't right? The whole house felt like that. My 10-year-old sister Sophie was the first one to see something. About a month after living there, she came running into my parents' room one night, screaming, with her eyes wide. She said that she saw a tall, shadowy figure in her room. I slept in the only downstairs bedroom, but her cries jolted me awake. I ran upstairs to see what was going on. At first, I thought she was just trying to get out of sleeping alone, but the fear in her eyes was unlike anything I'd seen before. She said the figure had long arms and big hands and that its eyes were on fire. My parents thought it was just a nightmare or her imagination, but soon even they couldn't deny the weird stuff going on. The first time it really hit home for us, no pun intended, was at dinner. My mom had set out plates, and we were all just getting seated, when suddenly, a plate from the center of the table just flew off, shattering against the foot of a cabinet. We all just stared at the mess with our jaws dropped. Sophie started crying. There was no breeze, no pets, nothing that could have caused it. My dad, trying to be the calm and rational one, joked that maybe the plate was just tired of holding food. But the atmosphere was still tense. Stuff like this became common. Keys would disappear and reappear in the weirdest places, like the fridge or the bathtub. Our dog, Rocky, would bark at nothing, growling at empty corners. But it wasn't just the little things. Loud bangs would wake us up in the middle of the night. 
it sounded like someone was throwing furniture around in the living room. My dad would go check with his baseball bat, but there was never anyone or anything there. Everything was right where we left it. Then one night, I was up late doing some homework, when out of nowhere, I heard that familiar loud banging commotion outside of my bedroom door, coming from the kitchen. It lasted off and on for about 10 seconds. Once it stopped, I probably foolishly opened my door. Every single cabinet had been flung open, and there were glasses, plates, and bowls lying on the floor, most of them broken. I screamed and ran upstairs to my parents' room while flipping on every light switch on my way. When my dad came downstairs, he was livid. He blamed me and said, among other things, Do you seriously think I'm stupid enough to think a ghost did this? I had to clean up the mess by myself, and he said I was grounded for a week. He thought I was pulling a prank on the family. Shortly after tearfully confiding in my mom, my dad sat me down and apologized. He said he still doesn't believe in ghosts, but that he believes me when I say that I didn't do it. My mom, Sophie, and I were more afraid than ever of this house. We begged to move again. My dad said we couldn't just move as we had just sunken all of our money into this place. And then, about a week later, things had taken an unexpected turn, to say the least. My dad went downstairs late one night to grab a snack from the kitchen and admitted that he saw something. In the hallway facing the living room, he described seeing three shadowy figures and said they looked just how Sophie had described what she saw. They were tall and had burning eyes. He stared at them and froze for a second, and when the tallest one reached its hand out, he bolted back upstairs and called 911. The police showed up in minutes, and that's when the rest of the house woke up. From what I remember, the police searched all the rooms and looked for any signs of forced entry, and left after finding nothing. My dad didn't need any more convincing after that. He apologized again for falsely accusing me of breaking those dishes in the kitchen, and told the family we would be moving again. We didn't stay another night in that house. We ended up living with my grandparents for several months until we moved into another one. I lived at the new house until I moved away for college, and I'm happy to report that nothing followed us. I'm not sure what was in that house or why it was there, but I'm strangely fine with not having answers. But whatever it was, let's not meet again. My parents met here in the United States, but they grew up in neighboring pueblos in Mexico. Connecting the two pueblos is a long, empty span of road, maybe five miles long, which is apparently haunted. These stories take place many years apart, but on that exact same patch of road. When my dad was a young man, he loved horses, bull riding, and drinking. While he has since put down the bottle, he still loves horses and bull riding, but back in the day, he would occasionally ride his horse out across the road to the neighboring pueblo to hang out or hit up some parties. One early morning, 
he was returning home on horseback from a party in the neighboring Pueblo. He was a bit drunk and was just casually making his way home when suddenly the air grew still and the night was silent. He said something just felt off and his horse could sense it as well. My dad says that you can always tell what a horse is focusing on by looking at their ears and in this case, my dad's horse's ears were perked up stiff and focusing at the empty field beside them, as well as all around them. Thinking that there may be some sort of animal stalking them, my dad looked around, but the fields beside them were empty, and there weren't any bushes or anything for an animal to hide behind. Suddenly the air went cold, and my dad felt goosebumps on the back of his neck, almost as if something were right behind him. That's when my dad's horse just couldn't take it anymore and took off running for its life. My dad held on tightly and tried several times to bring the horse to a stop, but it was dead set on getting the hell away from whatever they had just encountered. Eventually, they finally reached their pueblo. The horse calmed down and came to a stop. Never before or after had the horse behaved that way and it left my dad shook up. Needless to say, he was sober at the time that he reached home. Story number two. My cousin is a few years older than me, so this story takes place many years after my dad's. One late night, my cousin was driving my uncle's pickup truck. He didn't make any mention of where he was heading or in which direction, but he said that he was making his way across that same stretch of road. He said that he was driving along and all seemed very calm when suddenly he felt a presence in the vehicle. The pickup truck is one of those older two-door pickups that have a single long bench-style seat for the driver and passenger. My cousin said he felt the passenger side of the seat sink in, as if somebody suddenly took a seat beside him. He said that the experience scared him stiff and had him so shook up that he was cold, sweating, and crying thinking this might be the moment he's about to die. Instinctually, he dared not turn around to face whatever it was that was sitting beside him. But the presence was so real, and he could even make out some sort of silhouette there beside him through his peripheral vision. After a couple of miles of panic and sobbing, he eventually reached the neighboring Pueblo, and the presence gradually faded away. He made it home safe, but the experience has scarred him. And now story number three. This last one is short, and it actually took place only a couple of years ago. This happened to my cousin from the previous story and my mom. A couple of years ago, my mom visited Mexico to hang out with family. Her return flight home was in the early morning, so my aunt had my cousin drive her to the airport. Along the way, on that same patch of road, they spotted a man hitchhiking on the side. This was a very strange sight, as not many people hitchhiked along that road, much less early in the morning before the sun even comes out. As you might deduce from the last couple of stories, land around that road is largely empty. There's not really any good reason to be out there at that time. Jokingly, my cousin suggested that they pick him up. Everybody in the car nervously laughed it off, 
and they drove past the man. As they continued along, however, they swore that they could hear somebody whistling at them from out in the empty fields. This made them all very nervous, and they wondered if the man, whatever he was, was following them. Eventually, they reached the neighboring Pueblo, where they swore they spotted him standing just outside the entrance. Suspicious horses, ghostly passengers, and teleporting hitchhikers. Now that's my kind of story. Mm-hmm. Sounds like they've got their own dire lane down there in Mexico. Yeah, it's just another of many haunted locations that we'll someday have to visit. If they're on the West Coast, it's not outside the realm of possibility. We both just have such busy schedules. Time is ugh, annoying. Yeah, and we also both live two states away from each other. Yeah, it's rough. Maybe when we retire, we can do a haunted roads tour of the United States and document it all. Yeah, I actually did some Googling, and there are a lot of road-specific hauntings throughout the states. In New Jersey, there's a road where people have spotted witches, ghosts, and even clan gatherings. Big yikes. Yeah, very big. It's, uh, it's called Clinton Road. You do what you please with that information. <laughs> uh, it's uh, kind of a smorgasbord of folklore. Sometimes visitors will spot floating headlights as an invisible ghostly vehicle would drive up and chase off the driver. There's also a spot called Ghost Boy Bridge, where if you put a coin in the middle of the road, the ghost of a boy will appear at midnight sitting on the bridge, and he apparently drowned while swimming. Oof. Legend has it that he's even pushed onlookers into the water below. Sink or swim, I guess. Is this all real, or are we starting the first episode of our Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast? As much as I would love to do that, we don't even have time for video games anymore. <laughs> True. Yeah. Well... It's mostly just your typical Wikipedia regurgitation, but I have seen it featured on TV shows and other lists of haunted roads that are found on the internet. It really should be our top spot to visit on the tour, though. It does sound familiar. I think we may have even had a story featured about Clinton Road, if I remember correctly. Probably. But after hearing these first-person accounts about Dyer Lane, which is basically in your backyard, yeah. I'm inclined to believe in a haunted road. Yeah, at least as much as any old haunted house. Exactly. Why not? Well, New Jersey does have another road that's aptly called Shades of Death Road. Ooh. Yeah, like Dyer Lane. There have been a number of murders at this location. Around 100 years ago, there was a woman who was beheaded by her husband, and then he buried her head and body on different sides of the street. People have been shot there. They've been lynched. They've been attacked by wild swamp cats, and they've even had their throats slit by bandits. Ooh, the throat-slitting bandits. That could be our uh, deathcore rap band. Wasn't that what uh, the guys were called in Home Alone 3? It was the wet bandits, the sticky bandits, and then the throat-slitting bandits. I think so, yeah. Yeah, in the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that place must be overflowing with ghosts. Yeah, no kidding. It used to be called Shades Road, but 
After all of the deaths and tragedies, the locals changed the name to Shades of Death. They thought that that was funny, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. It really makes me want to do some spooky night drives on American Truck Simulator again. Ah, yeah, good times. Hell yeah. <laughs> if I have to drive, I like it to be at night, and I have to throw on some coast-to-coast AM. Amen, brother. So I got to go on a little rant here mm-hmm. after hearing the traffic light premonition story. Unexplainable sixth sense stuff is a favorite of mine since it's something I think most people can relate to. Yeah. I don't think I've shared this personal anecdote on the show before, but one time my intuition broke some very specific bad news to me with hardly the slightest inkling. In the fifth grade, I spent the night at my friend's house. When my dad picked me up the next morning, I sat in the car and he just said, Hey, and smiled at me with that kind of uncomfortable smile you would give a coworker if you ran into each other at Burger King on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. My gut knew something was wrong within the immediate couple of seconds of getting into the car. Mm-hmm. Well, grab your tissues because I had gotten a puppy on my birthday about two months oh. prior, a sweet little beagle named oh. Daisy. Yeah. There was no reason to believe that she would have died less than 24 hours after I last saw her. Yeah. But I just knew something happened and that she was dead. I hate that. I didn't ask my dad about her. He didn't bring her up either. I just let him make some small talk and tried telling myself that I had no rational reason to believe something so specific happened and hoped that I was wrong. Well, once we got inside the house, my mom called me over onto the couch and my dad sat down next to us. And they broke the news. I'll spare the details, but yeah, Daisy died the previous night when I was feeling anxious at my friend's house and I couldn't really explain it. So yeah, after that, it messed with my head for quite some time. Yeah. Like, how could I have known that? There were dozens of other things that could have catastrophized my mind at the time. Exactly. My great-grandparents dying, the house burning down, my mom finding my magazines about anatomy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for me, it was the uh, Kaiser Permanente uh, health handbooks that they sent out to all of the people that had Kaiser for insurance that uh, that my mom caught me looking at <laughs> when she was gone. Ooh, that's better than the Sears catalog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anyways, thanks everybody for listening again. This week you have heard The Boy on the Fridge by Lillian, The Bathroom Ghost by Juniberry, Lost Time by Riley, Traffic Light Premonition by Mina. Last Goodbye by Cheshire. Sibling Bond by Alicia. Hell Inside My Home by Ben. And finally, A Haunted Road Between Two Pueblos by Objective Thanks 163. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, by all means. Send it in to stories at oddtrails.com and don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you'd like to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate over at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails. Sign up and support the show today. And finally, make sure you check out the new episodes of my other podcasts like Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, the Old Time Radio Cast, and Welcome to Paradise, It Sucks, all at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.
ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling.